Yo, yo, yo. What up, guys? Welcome back to Black and White Church. It's your boy, Ryan Bruchette, here with the Colton Mio. Your. Yeah. Your. Okay. So, Colton, um, I want to talk uh, just a little bit today about what sort of arguments are happening in your Instagram direct <laughs> messages today. So, whenever I post anything about racism, political discrepancy, uh, getting our theology right as an evangelical church goer, no one ever seems to bat an eye. All right? <laughs> like, I, I might get the occasional heart. Maybe I'll get the hundred emoji. Who knows? But you, you, on the other hand, have a never-ending stream of pushback. So would you want to talk to us about that today? Start you know, the episode. I don't fully understand it, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm rowdy. I post a lot. Okay, okay. Uh, my you're, social- you're an Enneagram 8. <laughs> that's who I am. Yeah, that's uh, your whole identity. Uh, being an Enneagram eight, being an Italian, uh, I love I love a good a good discourse. We'll call it a discourse. Discourse. Uh, so sometimes I just like stirring the pot a little bit, see what people are made of. You know? Whip it up. Yeah, you just to see what happens. Um, let's see. The other day I posted about uh, uh, Trump. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I try to stay away <laughs> from Trump uh, just because I'm like, you know, he's just a symbol at the end of the day. But I posted just like in the Trump era, you know, like. We're going to look back on this era, and we're going to be disappointed about how divided we were, yada, 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 all this stuff. And then I, I always have uh, – I don't know how to call them. They're, they all call themselves libertarians, um, which oh, I, nice. I respect that. Yeah. Um, but basically just like telling me that Christians are self-righteous for saying that anything a political figure has done is wrong or how dare they sit on their high horse. God pointed – uh, the president to his position, even though that apparently didn't happen with Obama. Yeah, there's this implicit uh, uh, hard sovereignty there. Regardless, uh, if you're listening to this and you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm not asking for a follow, but if you're looking for someone to just, you know, blow up their DMs, I have plenty of room. <laughs> you do. <laughs> in mind. Please don't blow up Ryan's DMs. Uh, Please if don't. You, if you want to test some of your maybe presuppositions or some of your thoughts on the black community, maybe run it by me first, and then you can go ask Ryan if you want. Um, but just don't barge into Ryan's DMs telling him the black fatherlessness is the main issue facing the black community, um, which is what I get a fair amount uh, in my DMs, which we're going to talk about that Classic. in a further episode. We so we're, that's a cliffhanger. We, we love cliffhangers. Anyway, we're talking about something else. Uh, we're talking about racism doesn't exist in my church and the white moderate. Ryan, when you hear racism oh, yeah, baby. doesn't exist in my church, which I'm sure you've heard that before a million times being a pastor at a white church. Yep. What is what is your thoughts? What is your response? Okay, so when I, my gut reaction to racism doesn't exist in my church is, one, dude, you can't read people's minds. <laughs> you can't do it. You, like, you really can't. And so when people try to come at me with that racism doesn't exist in my church, what they really mean is that overt hard N or hard R N word or mm-hmm. uh, we don't like black people here or like real like ridiculous almost hollywood style let's say um disruptions or interactions those don't exist but when we're talking about racism doesn't exist in my church my reaction goes yeah yeah it does and it's subtle and it's not always cognitive like you're not always aware of it and you really have to check that because we as 
followers of Jesus know that sin exists, and because sin exists, we all— But not this sin. Not this sin. Right. <laughs> right. There's affairs in our church. Yeah. There's adultery. There's guys looking at porn. There's people yeah. who maybe, like, are mad at each other. But yeah. racism, not a chance. Not a chance. Racism. Not a chance. And so it's just so hypocritical. I was like, dude, just admit it. Like, yeah. you know, even if it's not against black people, you have certain prejudices and leanings that you've either inherited or allowed to fester that you have. And so to say that it doesn't exist is to say— basically that sin doesn't exist can i be honest yeah i explicitly do not like the french (laughs) wow that's just an italian thing i inherited oh the italians don't like the french because the french are a little bit more reserved they eat snails uh escargot they're just it's the culture between french at least the french of old and italians are very different the Italians view them, and excuse my French on this, it's not that bad, but <laughs> uh, oh, the irony. as they view the French as their bastard cousins. So wow. it's like cousins they don't even want. Um, so I never knew this. There's just a part of me that like when I was in France walking around eating crepes, uh, I, didn't like, you do I didn't like being there. I felt unsafe in France, in Paris. But I'd be walking the streets of Sicily where there's the mafia, uh, the mafioso, <laughs> and I'd be like, man, I'm right at home. And I like probably had a high chance of being killed. Um, so let's just be honest. Like, we have yeah. prejudices. We're just we scared to admit it when it's about black people. Like, you yeah. have prejudices about everything. I hate Patriots fans. I hate Packer fans. I hate whole groups of people all the time. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Like, let's, let's face it. We have let's hate in our it. hearts. And the fact that you're already, I don't want to assume here, but if you're already like, well, racism really doesn't, and you're you're getting all like you know tightly wound. That's probably pointing to the fact that it does, because yeah. that's what happens when we react, is we haven't addressed something. <clears throat> so, let's start with a with a story of mine. Um, I used story to think polls. like racist <laughs> story time with Colton. You love to see. Um, it. I used to think races really only hung out at like KKK rallies. They're the ones wearing the hoods. Explicit, or they're in the south. Yeah, the like south. They're not there. in the Southwest. Nope. They're in the South. Just the South problem. They're not where I'm at now in Seattle. There's no race in Seattle. We're zero percent. You guys are progressive. We figured it out. Um, I don't know how it happened, but we figured it out. Um, but joking. anyway, my first experience that like, oh, wow, racism really does exist. Uh, happened when I was about 12 years old. Um, I have some actually other experiences about racism we'll talk about, especially when we get into skin issues and different things like that. Um, but when I was about 12 years old, my sister, who was kind of a partier in high school, um, she'll openly admit this. Um, she was going to a party with a guy from the basketball team, um, and they stopped at the store. She claims they stopped to get, I don't know, a snack or something. Maybe they bought alcohol with a fake ID. Uh, probably sour gummy worms. It's sour gummy worms. They yeah. went to stop and bought sour gummy worms. Come on. As they were walking around the aisles, this guy's like, he's like a six foot four black guy on the basketball team. So they're walking through the aisles, and they, they realize this one like white guy was kind of staring at him weird. Um, they think, okay, what's whatever. Maybe they just think this guy's really tall. That's the first white thought. You know, it's probably because he's tall. Um, and so then they end up leaving. They head to the party. They go to the party. They do whatever at the party. I don't even know what happens at these parties. I wasn't invited to them when I got into high school. Um, they come out of the party, and they realize that someone took a sledgehammer to their windshield. Not any of the other car's windshields, just this car, our car. And so uh, we can say oh, it must be a coincidence even though they thought they saw him maybe following them a little bit towards the party they thought maybe he was going to the same party or we can say what was different in a very white area in a white neighborhood at a white party about my sister's car compared to all the other cars did they just what that person, was different yes the hmm. car was red that's probably what it was oh, they hate red was. cars but that was the first memory i have of like holy crap like racism actually exists like it, it does and not only just exists out there, it exists like right next to my sister. 
Um, this guy that was actually on the basketball team was a teammate of my brother who was also on the basketball team. And so it's one of those things for, for me, the plea is because I love the church and I care about the church so much is that like with black lives matter happening, with protests happening, with rallies happening, I was so sad when I'd go to some of the BLM protests and I'll talk about those in other areas, but I like, they're literally asking, Hey, does anyone want to take the mic? Anyone want to take the mic and talk about, you know, racism that's happening and solutions. And I just desperately want to like, where are the pastors? Where are the church members that are willing to say, yeah, yeah. this is a problem, and they're going to lead the charge towards justice. They're going to acknowledge racism. But mm-hmm. what's going to happen is what I'm assuming is going to happen is that just like there's this sweeping movement of us adjusting racist policies in government or in organizations or companies, the church is going to trail behind. And in the same way we trailed behind in Me Too and then Church Too came later, I'm, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. We're on the coattails of justice, not leading the justice. Yeah. And so my plea is, as we talk about this, could you just be open if— if we are sinful, then racism is probably a part of it. That's one of the cardinal sins of America. Greed, racism, consumerism, <laughs> power. It's all there. It's, it's just it's one of them. Just throw it in. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my story of racism. I hope you could, maybe can relate to it and not in a good way. Um, but let's dive into this. So studies have shown that about 71% of black people say they've experienced racism, racism before. 71%. Um, so about three-fourths of every black person in America. Of what those else? 71%, 10% of them say they experience it on a regular basis. So if everyone in our churches is saying there is no racism existing in our churches, then where the heck is it happening? Yeah, where is it? Because <laughs> if it's happening at this high of a level, but it's not happening here, then where? But it's not happening when the Southern people do something. It's like, well, that's not racist. Well, so it's not happening there. When this person, the political figure, says something that seems racist, well, that, he didn't mean that, so it's not happening there. So you would acknowledge that racism exists outside of us. It doesn't exist here, though. But yet, when I ask you, tell me where, it'd be like, well, at a KKK rally. That's it. In yeah, Idaho. That's the only thing. That's the only option. And I'm like, can't it just, like, exist more places than that? So what often happens is that – this happens a lot with, with white Christians – is that we see, well, I, I just – I've never seen racism. It doesn't happen, which is so funny because it's an experiential argument of Ryan saying, I've experienced racism before, and someone disinvalidating that the saying by saying, I've never seen someone experience racism before. Ryan rides his bike home from his friend Jesse's house, sophomore year. Four white kids yell the N-word at me while I'm riding my bike home. Why they did that, I don't know. But that happened. Ryan proceeds to tell people that happens. And do you think all four of those white kids don't attend any churches or their parents never attend any churches? Uh, you know, we're heavily churched out here with mm-hmm. Catholic, Protestant, and LDS churches. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know? Yeah. So when, Ryan, when you've maybe shared, and we talked about microaggressions in the last yeah. episode. Yeah, when you've shared with someone about, hey, I experienced this thing. It was kind of racist or it made me feel off or it made yeah. me feel prejudiced against. What is normally the response of people? Every single time it's, well, that happens to everyone. <laughs> Hey, yeah, dude, somebody was looking at me weird when I walked into the gas station. Like, I didn't have my hood on or anything, but I just wanted to go pick up. Uh, no, dude, that happens to everybody. Okay. Uh, well, that happened to me, and it felt a little bit more than, like, it felt a little bit more aggressive than usual. No, dude, that's just because it was probably just late. There's got to be some other reason. got to be some other reason. Yeah, man, I was, uh, I was walking on the street, and for some reason, this mom, like, like really grabbed her her like uh toddler daughter who was walking with her like super close like it almost felt like like she was almost trying to walk away from me while I was walking the other direction and we we're both on the sidewalk and there's 
other people around, but for some reason she seemed to get really threatened by my presence. Oh no, that happens to anybody, you know, like you just yeah. want to move your kid closer so they don't get in the way. Better safe than sorry. You Better know, safe than it's, sorry. It's, it's, not, yeah. you know. it's like, Oh uh, yeah, I got pulled over uh, because uh, I, my headlights weren't on and then this officer comes and he's like, Hey, are you sure you're not high? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm definitely not. I just forgot to turn my headlights on. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, if anybody forgot to turn their headlights on, I mean, I'd ask too. So mm-hmm. those are three things that didn't happen to me. Yeah. And I've actually been pulled over uh, for the same reason of not having my headlights on. And the cops said, hey, turn your headlights. And I said, oh, crap. I didn't realize they weren't on. He said, ah, no worries. <laughs> and then it's, that was All the right. end of it. See ya. <laughs> so... I don't want to get into too many of my specific examples with police or with other things or with yeah. racism because I think in some ways that can almost be right. a and these false aren't all way. things that happen in the church necessarily. Yeah. All the microaggressions are pretty much what happened yeah. growing up here at Red Mountain. I haven't had any blatant uh, N-word calls or anything like that here. Dude. But, yeah. And so that leads us then to the next point of, okay— we can't really see the racism here, but Ryan, you seem to think there is racism here. I th- seem to think it is just um, because yeah. it's in myself sure. and I'm in the church. Yep. Um, and yeah, I'm not some flaming KKK supporter who's saying the N word, but it still exists in me to some degree. So let's talk about the white moderate. Um, let's do it. This is not something that is new. This is something that MLK uh, either coined or popularized. I don't know if he coined it. I think he probably popularized it. But basically MLK defined the white moderate as kind of the biggest threat to progress and racial reconciliation in America. It wasn't the racists. It was the white moderates. Um, and white moderates are just really normally people who aren't overtly and explicitly racist. They're not people calling anyone the N-word. They're not the ones that are chasing down black people or being explicitly scared of them in every instance. But it's mostly just people who kind of do what Ryan just said. And it's like, uh, that didn't really happen. Basically, just they don't really believe you. They don't think it's that serious. They don't think racism is that much of a problem. They get to gatekeep reality. Exactly. Much. Um, they're kind of the ones that have drinking the Kool-Aid of gradualism. They're kind of just like, eventually, Ryan, yeah, mm-hmm. eventually, we're not going to have that stuff here in America. Yeah. But oh, they don't want to do anything in the meantime to no, get there. Because that would require sacrifice. acknowledgement <laughs> and sacrifice. Um, yeah. So they do some good. Uh, it, I think it's, it's people that aren't like trying to be racist. And we wouldn't even maybe call them racist. I don't think that's a fair term for no. them. But it's just people who aren't maybe really helping the cause of eradicating. You can't just sit by and watch. This is what people who think of the people who didn't go to the lynchings. Yeah. These are the white moderates. Yes. What are they doing? Why are they letting the other people go and do that? Exactly. Why aren't they being as passionate about it? Why are they saying, well, you know, that guy who yeah. got lynched kind of deserved it. And what does that sound like? Sounds just like any police shooting George Floyd, that we've seen Ahmaud at Arbery, all. Breonna Taylor. Well, what are the facts? Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a good guy. Yeah. And we're not against facts. No. But can't you just, like, admit that there's something wrong here or yeah. have some compassion? And we'll get into yeah. police brutality and Black Lives Matter, and we can talk about that. I'm sure you'll be scared, but me and Ryan are probably more nuanced than you'll even think um, mm-hmm. on the issue. But I want to talk on a specific example of the white moderate, um, which is Billy Graham. Ah, uh, Billy Graham. When I think of white moderates, <laughs> this is exactly who I think about. Um, this is like poster boy of don't, white moderate. Don't get me wrong. I know I've talked about Billy Graham twice now. I'm not a Billy Graham hater. Uh, I think he did a lot of good in a lot of areas, but he's a good example of the white moderate. Let me explain why. Billy Graham did obviously a lot of good things, uh, did a lot of good things in the community, and even in terms of race relations, was one of the few people that was desegregating uh, his crusades. That's huge. That wasn't something that was happening in the 50s and 60s, and Billy Graham was doing that. And he was even actually, he invited MLK to pray at one of his rallies in the 50s and got a lot of flack for it. 
He didn't invite him to speak, but he invited him to pray and close it out. Um, so in a lot of ways, he was kind of before his time. He that doesn't seem that he doesn't sound racist. He doesn't sound like he hates black people. But what happened is, is that MLK, as he started getting more and more progress and started getting more and more ground and started asking for more and more action, Billy Graham started to really caution MLK and really started to tell him, I don't agree with it. And kind of almost like, hey, slow down, slow down. You're moving too fast. And at one point, after MLK did the March on Washington and had his big I Have a Dream speech and talked about the one day he'll be able to see black children and white children playing together in the streets and hanging out. Billy Which Graham, we all love to quote, by the way. We love that quote. We'll That's talk, the quote. We'll talk more about MLK's I Have a Dream speech because it comes up in uh, I Don't See Color. But what happens is, is that Billy Graham then responds to that and says, that's not really going to happen until Jesus returns. So he says, that idea, that hope that MLK had, that we all cherish now, Billy Graham had such a view of gradualism and moderate progression towards racial rec- reconciliation that he's like, black children or white children hanging out won't even happen until Jesus returns. Now, yeah, maybe racism as a whole won't be completely and fully eradicated until Jesus returns. Yeah, all you context people are going to be like, well, what's the context of that thing? And it's going to be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The very fact that he said it, though, still speaks to Mm -hmm. a belief that, oh, this can't really happen yet. Mm -hmm. And Billy Graham, at the end of the day, endorsed Nixon for president. It was his first endorsement as a president, like for president. Um, And Nixon interesting. uh, had, I mean, we've kind of learned more about Nixon other than Watergate. And he was extremely and pretty blatantly racist. And if you want to know more about that, just Google the Southern Strategy. It will tell you about how he kind of catered to, to white racists and how to get their votes. Um, and once that came out and Billy Graham started to learn more about some of the unsavory things about Nixon, he refused to take back his endorsement. So the white moderate, again, is not someone that is inherently bad, not someone that is inherently explicitly consciously racist. It's not someone that we're saying is the worst person ever. It's not someone that Ryan would necessarily even feel uncomfortable around. It might even be our best friends. All we're saying is that we we drink this Kool-Aid of just like, okay, we just, you know, black people just slow down. Like, stop, stop causing such an uproar. Why are you doing many justice right now? Like, we'll get there. Just like, wait. And that was what, as Billy Graham and MLK were contemporaries, it moved. they moved further and further apart that Billy Graham basically did not approve at all of what MLK was doing. So again... I know we want to put everyone in the historical context and look at their cultural moment. Right. But we all love MLK now, right? Yeah. Billy Graham didn't really towards the end of his tenure. He liked the idea of racial reconciliation, but he didn't think that the measures MLK was taking, which we all now universally agree upon, were good measures. So let's let's check ourselves in the current moment to realize maybe I'm a white moderate. I don't hate black people. I don't have a problem against them. But I'm not advocating for justice in the ways they want to because I think they're being too reckless. I think they're being too drastic. I think they're being too radical. I think they're being too severe. Um, let's just take a pause. And I'll think about Ryan, when you, when you think of a white moderate, um, which is probably the majority of, I'd say, white people in our churches, kind of what, what is kind of your response to them? How do you, how do you even operate? Because that's something where they're in between. It's really hard because they're not racist. So you can't really confront them there. Um, but they're not necessarily super helping the cause of eradicating racism. So what, what is the kind of the, the middle ground you can play there? Yeah, the, the middle ground that I, I find myself on a lot uh, concerning white moderates is really just it only goes as far as the conversation as they'll allow you to go. Uh, I know that sounds almost uh, – I was talking with this with some good friends who uh, attend and lead in this church last night um, – 
unless they're convinced of some sort of factoid or some sort of framework, basically when I have conversations like this with white moderates, it's like, yeah, that's bad, but can't really do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And so instead of accepting gradualism, we accept fatalism. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they kind of go hand in hand often, but it turns into, well, what should I do, Ryan? I don't know what to do. And, and I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to do anything. And so the idea of whiteness in and of itself can often mean, okay, well then give me the task and I'll get it done. Or mm -hmm. let me fix the problem with my abilities, resources, intellect, so on and so forth. And so it turns into, well, here's these four or five things. Mm -hmm. And then they take those four or five things and then they don't do them. Yeah. And eventually we'll figure it out. Or man, so sorry, praying for you. And that's really what happens. So when I when you ask me what's my response to the white moderate, it turns into kind of like nothing. That's it. Now I have friends that take steps. I have friends who decide who they're going to donate to. I have friends who decide to have further conversations. Uh, oftentimes, if I can get somebody who's younger, more more Gen X or uh, or millennial or their, or Gen Z, then it typically turns into well, I'm going to post on social media. Then I'm going to have another conversation with Ryan, and then I'm going to go and actually go and have a conversation with my racist aunt or grandparent mm -hmm. or uncle, and then come back to Ryan and ask, what do I say when this happens? Yeah. And then eventually donate to a cause or choose to live somewhere else. That's, that's it. But for the white moderate, I can honestly say almost nothing happens. Yeah, I have, I've had some older Christian men and Christian leaders come to me and be like, I agree. I agree with racism is a real problem. <clears throat> but it's something that's just always going to be around until Jesus comes. So there's not really anything we can do about yeah, it. Yeah, there's this we just need to save souls. Yeah, heaven. Like he yeah. we're just get to heaven and it'll get fixed then. Even though the kingdom breaks in now, we pray for the kingdom to come here on mm -hmm. earth, and we believe Jesus restores earth and heaven and earth are together. You can fact check that in Revelation 21, and it's assumed that that's happening in Genesis one and two. Uh, and so there's this like, well, that's not really up to me. Yeah, uh, it's up to God. And yeah. so racism, racism is not my issue. Isn't my issue because yeah. I'm not racist. Yeah, but we wouldn't. We don't say that gay right. marriage. We don't say gay marriage is not my issue. No, we in the go church. to the streets. We go. We to don't say abortion is not my issue. Yeah, we vote. Even though we all agree that racism is an issue, it's just not an issue the church is actually yeah, having. Yeah. Like it's like most churches actually don't think they have any people who are LGBT. They just say, oh, they don't exist here in my church. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's just because you're not looking, looking, or you're not safe enough to actually see it. Yeah. Um. So. I wish I had a like better response than nothing happens, but like uh, this, like maybe, maybe some of you listeners out there, maybe there's some other black kids or Latinx kids or um, mixed race kids or Asian kids out there who, who can sympathize with me a little bit in white spaces, but like, I really don't know what else to say. So if you've got responses, by all means, you can slide into my DMs for those. I would love to read about that. Ryan Bouchette, Instagram. That's it. My friend Craig would take a fake hammer right now yeah. and put my ego up with his hands and then yeah, knock you down a knock little bit. Down a little bit. Um, so to close, one of the things that I think of when we look at scripture is a lot of evangelicals believe this, is that we believe in this idea of total depravity or just some type of depravity that we are all broken. I mean, Sin. It's, you mean it's, you know, it's in our... <laughs> Uh, it's in our worship songs where it's like, you know, we're so broken. We got to come to the altar. <laughs> Holy surrendered. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh man, I don't deserve this. 
God, I can never be worthy of your grace. I'm so messed up. Oh my gosh, God save me from the worst pits of hell. Yeah. But then we believe that we're so fundamentally flawed. We can't even choose God on our own. We're messed up, depraved. Ephesians 2 or Ephesians 1 says we're children of wrath. But yet we're not racist. Yeah, I struggle, man. Yeah, I struggle with lust. Oh, I struggle oh, with man, anger. I was in the grip of pornography, and then oh my the Lord gosh. saved me. Yeah, and I'm still struggling a little bit with it, but not black people. I'm not I, racist. I, I have a black. I know Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's one of my best friends. Sorry, getting cynical here, guys, but uh, that's. I mean, but come on, it's like you can't on. fathom racism would be in your church. You can't fathom like there's racist in America. There's a racist history in America. There's a Christian racist history. We're only like 260 years old. <laughs> but yet somehow in this whole racist reality of there's racist in America, racist history, racist Christians, but yet your church is immune. You're not immune to pornography, affairs, abortion, LGBT issues, or all these other things. You're not immune to those. But yet racism isn't really an issue in your church. You've kind of figured it out. Um, and I'm speaking to myself, too. I, I mean, I constantly, I see myself in conversations. We'll talk about this more in another episode about I have a black Especially friend. Especially because you're in Seattle. I'm church, in the progressive. Bro. Like, we figured you're it out, blue man. state, dude. Yeah, we figured it out. So anyway, um, there's a lot more we can say, but other issues are going to touch on that. So yeah, we're going to get more into the specifics. You might have some questions, well, what about this? Or what about the overemphasis on skin? Or what about the overemphasis on this? Or can't relationships fix this? Or can't, you know, isn't saving souls actually really what matters though? Because you have to change hearts before you change laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah, going to yeah. hit that. Totally. Um, but in the meantime, can we just sit and acknowledge if there's racists out there, there's probably racists in here. It's like, that's just a simple thing. And if Come there's on. racist things happening or subtle prejudices happening out there, they're probably happening in here and they're probably happening within me. Just like I have a problem hating the French and have prejudice towards black people and have prejudice towards other things that's going to come out in other episodes, can we just just sit in that for once? Yeah, that's okay. the question. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Let's do it then. <laughs> Thanks, Colton. <laughs> See y'all later. All right, guys. Later. Later.